This is the Tribe Podcast with your host, Ben Bolden, Anthony Rodolikas, and Joel Strahan. We have a simple message act like men. <laughs> Welcome to the tribe. Well, good evening, everybody. This is episode one of the Tribes uh, podcast from Slayton Baptist Church. Uh, we are at the border of Mississippi uh, with Tennessee. Uh, here, my name is Anthony Rodolakis. I'm here with my good friends, Joel Strahan, the pastor of our church, as well as Ben Bolden, the the brains and the inspiration behind uh, the, the brains. tribes. <laughs> that's, that's a good one, Ben, brains. <laughs> behind the tribes. So... Uh, ben will go into the details as to why we decided, A, to form this group, uh, the tribe, as we call it. Um, and if you see our logo, the T has uh, a beautiful red uh, sign of the cross. Um, and B, uh, why we decided to uh, take our conversations and our thoughts uh, to the airwaves and share them with as many as we can within our church. And hopefully um, to a much, much broader audience, uh, always remembering uh, what uh, the Lord asked us to do, make disciples, which is the number one commandment we have. But uh, anyway, with that short, cold intro, I'll pass it on to uh, Ben Bolden. Uh, again, like I said, uh, the brains. The brains. Of this, of this operation. The brains. So I, we're expecting <laughs> something big here. Make us proud. Well, thank, thanks for the introduction. Um, I'll take the compliment. So, yeah, I wanted to discuss the origin of tribe. Um kind of my motivation behind starting it, um, and, and I'll do that through Scripture and then just some other rambling. So um, I want to read a couple of Scriptures first. Uh, one is Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 12. So this says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? Is it all so meaningless and depressing? Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Amen. So that kind of um, that kind of touches on the point of of men just coming together, being together. Um, that that outlines like how we're better off as a group. Um, so Anthony pointed it out a little bit, but our, the T in our in our tribe logo is a cross. So we are all Christian men. We all follow Jesus. Um. And, and so many of the things that we're going to talk about throughout this podcast are, um, are, are biblical uh, wisdom, biblical knowledge, and mandates. Um, and so many things we deal with today as men are, are easier if we're doing it together. Um, so that, that's one of the reasons um, that, that tribe was created. A couple more scriptures. Um, Proverbs 27, 17 as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Uh, basically, that's saying we, we sharpen each other. We all have our own unique gifts and, and wisdom and experiences to bring to the table. And um, just getting together is going to allow us to share those with each other. Uh, these last two are really kind of, in my mind, the, uh, uh, the marquee scriptures of, of tribe. Like these are, these are the things that... Um, that, that comes to my mind when I think about this group. Uh, the first one is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that outlines the job that we as Christian men have to do, or we as all Christians. But this podcast, this group is um, is, is mainly geared towards men. So um, that that's our command that that we're supposed to go and tell the world about Jesus. 
um, learn everything that we can from his word and teach it to others. So that's a mission of, of tribe. And we try to do that every time we meet, we, we have biblical conversations. Um, sometimes we have random conversations that inevitably will, um, will end up with us looking to scripture, talking about the answers or, or whatever the, um, the issue is. And lastly, um, this is 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. So it says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. That's our motto. That's our motto. Um, I mean, it's self-explanatory, but we're going to break that one down a little more um, as we go through this episode. But um, but but that's kind of the big one. That's I actually heard Joel preaching um, on this particular passage, and God had kind of been wrestling with me um, through these other passages that I mentioned before, um, just knowing that I need to I need to do something to um, to grow myself um, to, to bring men together in our church and really just in my my group, not just this specific church that we belong to, but but the church as a whole, men as a whole. Um, but yeah, that, that day that I heard that message, God was like, okay, this is what you need to do. Um, so yeah, having shared all of that, um, I'll probably talk a little bit more once y'all get my thinking going, but, uh, I'd like for y'all to share, you know, kind of your thoughts, um, when I pitched this idea to you, um, and why, why tribe is valuable to you and, um, just tell us about it. Well, I actually, I love what we do. I love what you started. And uh, when you told me about what you wanted to do, um, uh, it, it I, th- I think my first thought was it fills a void. Um, and, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things I think that we struggle with in the, in the church is building community and being together. And so... Uh, we, we tend to isolate ourselves um, just by our very nature. And as a result, we're not the men that we could be. We're not the men that God designed us to be. And uh, so, you know, anyway, I, I think I think just the, the vision itself and all of those passages that you just read are, are the motivation. Um, I think, you know, growing up in this culture, um, I think it's rare for a guy to have grown up in an atmosphere and a family unit or a church where they have been taught how to be a man. Um, not, not, not the kind of man that the culture uh, tells us, you know, to be mm-hmm. in the stories, the way the stories of our culture shape us, but the kind of man that God designed us to be. So, you know, you know, I'm, I kind of I consider myself a member of the tribe. I've got the tribe logo uh, sticker on my iPad, but I don't really know what it looks like. It's a developing process, and I, I think part of part of what I'm excited about um, is that we're learning in real time how to apply these verses, how to apply this vision, and and how to be a group of men that cannot easily be broken. Now I'll tell you this: going back to that Ecclesiastes passage. If I'm cold, I'm going to do everything possible to avoid laying down with one of you to get warm. So that's the one part of the scriptures that you that's read literal that I'm not excited about. And, and for me, that part of that scripture, that is not what tribe is about. Uh, I just um, want to. I just unless want to make we're that at clear. war in the foxholes, like the Ardennes or something like that. And look, look. If if we're in a war and in in foxholes, I I want you to by my side. <laughs> I I want you to at my six. Um, and, uh, and, and that's good, but I just wanted to point it out as, as we're reading that passage, I want there to be no misunderstanding Duly about noted. where I stand. <laughs> Duly noted. If I get cold, I will try every option. Duly noted. Duly noted. Now the rest of the, the rest of this, um, it, uh, being around you guys, talking with you guys, batting ideas, uh, I, every time we're together, every time we're talk, we talk, it doesn't matter what the subject is. I leave encouraged. I leave filled up. I leave challenged. And um, uh, I'm, I'm better for it. So I, I want men in our church and, and then beyond that, whatever God wants to do, I want men to be a part of this. And, and I want us to learn what this looks like together. 
And we need to pass that on to the next generation. And we basically need to begin a, a legacy. God has called us into a tribe. Um, he calls us the church. But yeah. uh, it, it, if you look at where our culture is going, it's time for godly men to take the journey of becoming a godly man very serious. Yeah. I, I came here um, in the area and I joined the church uh, almost like a year ago. So a little over a year ago, we moved into uh, the area with my wife for uh, family reasons. And uh, we felt like we were called to come and serve our family. And we did that. Uh, but um, it was, it just so happened that at the time I was also spiritually hungry, looking for a church, looking for spiritual comfort and, and growth. And, and we visited the church. Uh, obviously, it was obvious to us um, that the Holy Spirit was doing work in this church. Uh, and but what was amazing to me, what I tried to look for is men's groups. I looked around to see exactly what do men do here? Are they active in, uh, in, in, in the community, in the things that we do as, as a body? And soon after that, Ben asked me, hey, man, uh, do you want to join us uh, morning? We have a, a tribe. And I said, what is that? And we train. We meet uh, once or twice a week, 5.30 in the morning, Monday. We'll talk about the hard stuff later. Uh, and um, we exercise, but that's also an opportunity to, uh, to talk, uh, fellowship. Um, and when I started, like you said, uh, Joel, when we started talking, it was incredible to me the, how we would support each other, uh, holding each other accountable, giving strength. So the rewards of fellowship were like immense to me. And, uh, uh, and over the months, we came to this point where we said, this is really great. Can we just share it? Like I said in the intro, can we share it with other men? Uh, another point that I wanted to make was when Ben was reading um, from Matthew where it says, um, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So when the creator of the universe tells you that I have been given all authority, so you, you go do this. Um, I never thought about those things like that. I mean, I, I, I came... I came to the Lord later in my life. Of course, it's never never too late, right? Uh, but these kind of verses are just totally hitting you on the head with a baseball bat. The realization that you have that you have been called to do certain things, and every moment that you're not doing those things, you're wasting your life, mm -hmm. and you're going to be held accountable because we've been given a lie. We've been given. Uh, at a personal level, community level, the United States of America, wealth, unprecedented uh, prosperity. And I get the feeling that we're wasting it. So, and when we're going to be held accountable, what did you do with what I gave you? Not only did you just hide it and you didn't do nothing to it, but you actually uh, forfeited everything. And that was me rumbling right now, but that was part of my thought process. Is there anything that I can do as a legacy, you said? by being part of this, by learning myself, as well as trying to help whomever needs that uh, in, in, our, in our network of men. So um, so anyway, that's my brief spill on that, but it's, it's very convicting uh, to be part of this. Well, yeah, and, and, and you think about it, you know, when you squander any opportunity, that, that could be wealth, that could be, you know, um, a, a, you know, an opportunity of influence, um, a voice in the room, and Anytime you squander something, Scripture calls that foolish. So, yeah. it, you know, I see, you know, those those moments where I'm, I'm, I'm awakened and I'm fully aware, meaning the the power and strength of what you just said about Matthew um, 28. Jesus, because he has all authority, commanded us to go do something. When I'm fully aware of the strength of that, um, you know, the reality is we have a choice to either be wise or be foolish. So we can either steward what God's given us, and and He's given that to men um, to to steward out and to protect and to guard, um, or we can be fools and we can squander it. Um, I love I love the First Corinthians verse you read. Ben, mm -hmm. you know, just the 
you know, the very succinct disciplines of the role we have, you know, you know, be watchful. The, there's, there's an enemy and he's looking to destroy. Um, we, we, you know, we, we sit out in the spiritual realm. We also sit out in the physical realm. All of it's connected. We don't think about that much, but man, how, how many days have I wasted in my life just being lazy mm-hmm. and unaware that there are, <clears throat> there are beings who are after my own destruction. And, you know, just, I, I get, I get really fired up and stimulated um, and motivated to, to just be better, be a better steward, recognizing one day I'm going to stand before the Lord. I'm going to have to give an account. I'm either going to, I'm either going to have to say in shame, I've been a fool, or I'm going to be able to stand before the Lord and say, I've, I've been wise with what you've given me. Um, yeah, so, I heard, uh, sorry, I didn't mean no, to cut you off. No, go ahead. Anthony said something that stimulated my thinking. Um, I heard somebody say once, I'm sure multiple people have said it, but it takes a man to make a man. Um, I think a recent book we read said that, but I know I've read it somewhere else. Um, and, and just thinking about this group, um, you know, we're we're not attempting to replace a a father in a young man's life. But we are attempting to come alongside those fathers. I'm a father myself, um, and and help help each other become the the fathers we're supposed to be, as as the Bible outlines. Um, but I also think having godly men in your life that aren't your father are also very valuable. Um, and I didn't necessarily have either of those two things growing up. Um, and I'm, um, nearing 40 and probably six or seven years now I've been reading through the Bible every year up until that point, I had never read through the Bible. Um, you know, bits and pieces here and there stories, um, but never had a full understanding of what the Bible said. And that's kind of the foundation that all of this is built on. Um, when our church started doing that. It was just, you know, immediate change. And then every year thereafter, you just see God raising up more and more people um, that can can teach others um, and that are getting their lives together and structuring their lives around um, what the Bible says. So that's a goal of mine is to um, to try to prevent other men that are in my sphere of of getting to my age and not having read the Bible or not have um, have had a godly man influence their life. And that's, that's, that's very important to me um, because what could I have done with those 30 years? Um, you know, I'll give myself a few years to grow up as a kid, you know, but just round it off to 30 years. What could I have done? What kind of impact could I have made? How many people could I have told about Jesus? Um, 30 years is a long time. So as Anthony said, it's never too late, but what would it look like if we, if we raised up, helped raise up a group of, of men, a generation of men that from the moment they could understand words and, and read the Bible and, um, and, and get advice from other men like, I mean, that would change the world. All these problems that we've got now, I just believe that um, that the world would just drastically change if we did that. So, Oh, yeah, the data show that. I mean, all, all studies show uh, in terms of poverty, crime, you name it. Um, everything goes down dramatically if you account for uh, the absence or the presence um, of, of a father um, in, in a household. Um, so that, that's just critical. But in terms of encouragement... Um, like I said before, it took me like 55 years to get to the point where like, I subtract my childhood, I guess. I, I, maybe I can get a, a dispensation for that. But uh, if you were to <laughs> uh, uh, subtract those years, so you have like a, a good 40, 45 years of being totally lost and, and being in the culture, whether uh, growing up in Europe or um, 
in Greece to be specific, or, or in the United States, um, where you basically uh, do not realize uh, that you're basically lost in a totally lost world. And somebody might say, well, wait a second, I mean, you guys, because you're Christians, et cetera, or whatever, you, you talk like that or you believe like that. But And it's true. And and it just popped into my mind, Genesis 1. Um, if, you be, if you believe that, Genesis 1, in the beginning God created heavens and earth, then everything is possible. If you believe that uh, God created everything, and in Hebrew, heavens and earth is like a word of saying everything, everything. Um, so then everything is possible that the Bible says. And, uh, and, and then if, you, if that's the starting point, then you're shaken. And that's what shook me up. And I said, okay, I, I need to basically uh, reorient everything that is happening. And you have to put those lens. And to Ben's point, it has a practical implication, whether you believe in God or not, whether you're a Christian or not. Um, the, the data do show that certain behaviors... Uh, will lead to better outcomes, right? So, uh, so we all worship something. Uh, so yeah, we all order our lives according yeah, to something. some boundary, some uh, some code. Um, but you know, as you guys are talking, um, you know, I think the 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 reality is that if someone did not um, kind of g- capture your heart as a child and shape your worldview to conform to biblical manhood, then at some point as a man, you have an aha moment. There's, there's a realization that something is missing. And, and I think what we're agreeing on is that a part of our faith journey has led us to tribe, to, uh, to fill in that, that, that hole, to help each other discover those, those gaps in our understanding mm-hmm. of what we are to be, and then to fill those gaps together. Um, so, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows where where it's going to lead? Hopefully, we have many more years on this earth to to grow together and and maybe even see the the results of some hard work. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Um, so let's dig a little deeper. Kind of get into the weeds. Can't dig of this, any deeper uh, than that. That was deep. <laughs> I, I mean, that was as deep as I go. Pretty profound. So, I mean, yeah, lead us, lead us to the the next depth, brain. <laughs> so let's read read that First uh, Corinthians sixteen thirteen through fourteen again. I kind of wanted to break that down, um, and and just take it step by step and, and talk about what each of those individual things means. So it says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. So take the first one, be watchful. Let's talk about what we're watching for. Um, what do y'all think? What are we, what are we being watchful for in, in that verse, in that context? Well, before I began pursuing a biblical worldview of manhood, I was conditioned by, you know, just my sin nature and, and the, the culture to just be watchful for that next good looking woman. Um, that, that's what I was watchful for. <laughs> as, as I've grown in my faith, I've realized that, uh, that, that, that pursuit was actually destroying me. Um, and so I, I just kind of think in general of, of my faith journey being a discovery process of learning what is in this world that kills, steals, and destroys, and then learning to watch for those things. Um, I, I got more to say, but don't want to just uh, just ramble on and on. <laughs> but that was the first thing I thought of just right. then. Um you know, yep. I kind of, I, I kind of visualize being, you know, being in a, in you know, at a geographic location, and being watchful to defend mm-hmm. what, you know, what what our possessions are. Yeah, I think that that statement could mean many things to many people based on your worldview, um, and if you, you know, if you know scripture, if you believe it or not. Um, 
as you just outlined. For for me, um, you know, having having read scripture and and tried to order my life around it, um, that obviously influences what I'm being watchful for, and uh, you know, so many so many things that come from Satan um, from the enemy are are trying to get my attention back on things of the world um, to to take my mind off of being watchful, for me to get comfortable, for me to um, to be okay with with going home when I get off of work and, and kicking my feet up and turning on the TV and absorbing, you know, whatever mindless thing there is on TV, um, rather than spending time with my family and and fielding questions from from my son that um, of things he's heard, you know, that I might not necessarily think about, but like he's he's asking questions about things the world has taught him, and you know, Satan wants me to miss that opportunity to to talk about that. Um, so those little things day by day, if I if I get complacent and um and and kick my feet up. I'll look up and I won't know where I am. I'll be lost. I'll have a, uh, you know, I'll have lost a relationship with my wife. I'll have um, not necessarily raised a son, but just kept one alive. You know, I fed him and um, and kept a roof over his house. And you know, that's what the world tells us is enough. Like we just don't let them die, and and that's good enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that may be a backwards definition of be watchful, but uh, but that's what I'm watching for is is losing losing sight and losing focus of of what's important to me and um and the things that the Bible says I should should be striving after. Uh, while we were talking, I was uh, carefully listening. I was also uh, looking at the original Greek uh, translation of this, and for um, for being watchful. Uh, is actually using the word that you would use when you are in the army and you're standing guard, you're not sleeping. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're basically at the tower, the watchtower, and you're not sleeping. You're taking the, the heavy one. We used to call it in the army, the German shift. It was from 2 to 4 a.m. So you could not go to bed because, you know, you wouldn't be able to sleep. Somebody would wake you up at 1, 1.30 to get ready. And then by the time you get back to go to bed for 30, let's say by 5 o'clock, Everybody has to get up. So anyway, it was the word shift. So uh, long story short, it, it means that you basically stay awake, keep your eyes open. Uh, you never know what's going to come. And why do you have to stay at the watchtower? Because we are supposed to defend. Not that women are not supposed to do that, but we are standing at the at the front. Uh, we are at the bridge. And, uh, and the other interesting word is the next one. Uh, it says... Um, uh, it says, act like men, be strong. Again, the Greek word is the word for brave. The word for brave is uh, the etymology of the word in Greek, in the ancient Greek, is equivalent to uh, be brave. So man, brave. So the andria, the, the, the root of the word for both in English is for man. Uh, so to me, that 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 is prima facie evidence that... Uh, uh, that we have a responsibility uh, to our families, to our church, to our community, et cetera. So, uh, and, and a lot of men, and we see that, uh, you turn the, your TV on or look at, your, uh, at the news on your iPad and you will see that we're not taking that responsibility seriously. Um, and I can attest to that. Uh, I didn't. I mean, I, I never did. It was always like a desicle and uh, happy-go-lucky and, you know, um, and, and that's how you make the big mistakes. Um, so, um, so that's when you go ahead, go ahead, Joel. No, no, I, I don't want to cut you off. No, that's but fine. I, I was just going to say, I think the, the, the being aware that there, that you were at war 24 hours a day mm -hmm. is, I, I think, you know, that, that awareness is, is contrary to uh, you know, I guess you could say the sin nature um, or the sin nature is contrary to being on guard and alert. Um, but, but anyway, that, that's all I was, I was thinking about as you were talking. 
Um, I mean, the whole Bible, uh, one of the things that we didn't mention in the beginning in terms of the men's groups, et cetera, we also have, uh, I mean, one of the things that has attracted us to this church is the idea that you have to have Bible literacy. It's so hugely important. And to your point, the entire, I, I see the entire uh, Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelations 22 is, uh, is a warning. It's like a giant red flag being waved uh, for how many thousands of years now in its Old Testament form and the New Testament form, and we're being warned. So nobody, nobody will have an excuse. It's there, dude. Check it out. Uh, and it tells us about ourselves too. You know, it tells us all about God. Um, we learn of his character, but we learn a lot about ourselves too, like how forgetful we are um, and how prone to to sin and, and doing the completely wrong thing, even though we have all the evidence in the world of, of God wanting us to, to follow him and, and the blessings that he gives us, um, you know, maybe not necessarily worldly blessings, but, um, the favor we get from him. And yet we still make these poor, terrible decisions. Yeah. Um, and that's the church responsibility too. I mean, I know we will talk about it in the next episode that we're planning uh, about the church, but I I will hold a lot of our churches responsible for not doing that. So you're not warned, you're not equipped, you're not ready. So when the time comes, I grew up in an environment where um, it was religion was out there, but it was never in your heart, in your house. Uh, uh, so you live a good life, you do a good deeds every now and then. You go to church Christmas and Easter, and, and that's that. But nobody has given you the warnings, um, and and then everything everything falls apart. Um, so I, I've seen it, uh, and it's scary. Yeah, and I think part of of just you know being being a man is is that choice to decide that that shift on the watchtower is actually your job. Mm -hmm. You know, I think. I think we we tend to 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 easily think about okay I'm a father so this is a this is a a, a piece of real estate I need to guard I need to be watchful um, my marriage I need to be watchful um, my body I need to be watchful sometimes I think the church fails because men don't see the church as their responsibility I think I think we lure ourselves into this conditioning that we think. Okay, we have pastors. Um, we have we have deacons. It's their job to watch, um, and and I think as as we look at scripture, uh, the church does not function uh, as Jesus designed it unless all uh, unless all the men understand that every shift is theirs. And I, I think you know part of part of this discussion. Um, not just the one we're having right now, but but the universal discussion as as tribe, um, you know, develops. I, I think it's important for men in our church to be in agreement together. This it, it this is mine. This is mine to guard. This is mine to be um, to be alert mm -hmm. um, toward, and. Uh, and I think once, once that attitude is 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 agreed upon and cultivated, and and realized, then there's there's less conflict. There's less. There's there's fewer in the next generation that get into their thirties, forties, and fifties and have to realize, oh my, I've been walking in the wrong direction. And standing on those firm beliefs too will equip you, and uh, and you you're ready to speak boldly in the wider culture so you don't you don't stick with these ideas uh the firm beliefs and uh in, on, in your church or for a sunday morning uh right. or uh, but you will boldly proclaim that and and speak truth um no matter where you are uh easier said than done um as, as i'm saying that my my thoughts are coming coming into my head and i'm saying if this was to happen would i be um brave enough to uh to say to my boss or say to uh knowing that certain things will flow to he to him or her or what have you and it will come back and bite me in the behind so um but that's that's what we've been called to do though 
to boldly proclaim uh, the word A and B uh, to stand for the truth. Man, and you know, I'm also thinking about just the the dynamic of of us watching each other as well. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I'll develop a blind spot. I need yep. I need brain over here That's to look key. me in the eye and say, "Hey, man, um, you know, uh, let's let's make a shift here because because you're thinking wrong or you're doing wrong." And um, and so I think I think being watchful is in this context it is a group effort. And we're to be watchful uh, for the things that we love the most, but you know we're to be watchful for the other watchmen. Um, yep. And uh, and we can't do it on our own. Yeah, understanding that we we need all of our spiritual vitality to notice when there uh, when there is a, a you know a, a digression or or, or distraction. Random thought now, right? Um, speaking of us being together, uh, let's not forget, I don't know exactly, uh, was it Elijah or Elisha? Uh, I don't remember the reference now where he couldn't see, uh, but there was a thousands and thousands. Elisha's servant. Uh, yeah. He said, fa- open his eyes. Lord, yes, open his eyes. So the thousands of the Lord's uh, host of army was there. Mm-hmm. So I, I honestly believe that we are surrounded by... Uh, uh, by a, a support that we cannot see, and we need to take courage from that as well. So if they're standing and we can't see them, the ones that we do see uh, around us, we should be standing uh, by each other, uh, shoulder to shoulder. I was thinking about that last night, and Ben, your son, um, was was in the room. I was helping out with the kids, and they were playing a game of Duck, Duck, Goose. And there was, in the the, the way that the, the table that they were sitting around where it was situated, there was a, a beam, uh, you know, a support structure for the for the building, for the room. It's right there in the middle of the room, and the table was close to that. And every time one of the kids ran around the table when they got chosen as goose, there the, the I mean, the margins for error <laughs> between a safe passage or circling of the table and blood being spewed on the carpet because of that pole or that beam, the margin was thin. And, and I thought about exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and I went over to, to one of the, the young ladies that was in the room and I said, man, the Lord has angels in this room. And she looked at me kind of puzzled. And I said, I, I, you, you know, I can tell you why, because not one of those kids has hit that beam. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I think, uh, uh, I, I always am very interested interested to notice in Scripture where God intervenes in the realm that we don't see, and when He doesn't intervene in that realm, but requires us to steward what He's given us in this realm. And you know, I don't I don't know that we can always be aware of what is happening in real time, but sometimes we can look back and see, okay, I didn't steward that well. It didn't turn out good. And the Lord didn't intervene in the realm that I can't see. Yeah. Um, so I, I need to be watchful, um, alert, and not go to sleep so that I don't make that mistake again. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony, you said, you said it's difficult or, maybe even impossible to do all this on our own, but um, it just led me down a a thought uh, path of, you know, the next few verse or next few words say, act like men and be strong. So the, the first thing that we did with tribe, the first gathering was a a workout on um, Monday mornings and Saturday mornings. I had this idea of like, get up super early in the morning um, at 4.30, I think we, we meet at 5.30, mm-hmm. um, work out for an hour, uh, you know, chat while we're doing that. Um, that was the first thing we did um, just to get together because I, I like exercising and um, I think it's good to build a, a good, strong body. But the thing that it made me think about was, you know, it takes practice to um, – to be able to do all of these things, whether that's sharing the gospel or 
how we're going to react in a a tough situation when when somebody may challenge our beliefs or you know whatever the thing may be um if we're not practicing it or getting used to it we're we're probably going to do pretty poorly at it um but it all it just got me to thinking about our kind of the way we're built as men you know we like we like challenge and we like competition i do anyways um i think men are born that way you competitive? No. Yeah, yeah. I think males are born that way. Let me say that because <laughs> you know, even little boys like this is a whole other subject. But I just feel like the the way we teach our kids and in, in the um, in some of the school systems and and other things, the world wants them to conform and um, maybe tries to to stamp out some of that um, that Very masculinity true. and that uh, actively. They call it rambunctiousness, um, that energy, you know, the things. I mean, if, if men are supposed to grow up and be big and strong, they're going to have to run around and, and do things that make them big and strong. But <laughs> anyway, that's a, a side note. But assuming you're a competitive uh, male, you know, we got together and um, and started exercising together. And, and Joel was training for an Ironman race, and he was doing another. Um, it was a triathlon. Triathlon. Well, you're training for an yeah, Ironman yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but he was training for a triathlon at the time and, um, he was running and he was in shape. And I remember several years back I had went running with him and just left me in the dust. Um, I don't remember. Oh, man, I wish I was there to see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was a good moment. Yeah. It was a good moment. It lasted <laughs> just a brief moment. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, he, he, he's, he's oh, got man. me right now. I'll pay good contest, money to have but, seen that. But back in the day, back in the day, I was, I was, I was king of the hill. So yeah. so we got together, and um, and I said, okay, he's he's doing that. Like maybe I want to run a race. So I found a a five k to sign up for, and um, and I did, and I told Anthony about it. He signed up. Several other guys signed up, and all of a sudden it became a competition. Yep. Um, every you know every time we showed up, we had our garments on, and we were you know. Well, I've got, I had a Garmin. Anthony's got an Apple Watch. I don't even know what a Garmin is. Yeah. I mean, it's some <laughs> inferior piece of technology. And he keeps reminding me that the Apple Watch I got like two two weeks later and new one came out. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Anyway, we, we, we got competitive about it. And, you know, it seems like every week Anthony and I were trading, trading blows back and forth. Like, okay, I... I did a 5K in 27 minutes, and then it was like, 30 well, seconds. well, surely I can do it in 26, you know, and, and we go through all of that, and uh, to make a long story short, race day shows up, and um, and I'm like, okay, 24 minutes is my goal. Anthony's there with his um, son-in-law, is that right? Yep. Son-in-law. And he shows up, and he just looks like, you know. Dr. Loma, a, I'm sorry, my stepson. Stepson. He looks like, you know. Adonis Creed. I'm like, this guy's about to <laughs> destroy me. He looks like he just runs yes. for fun, you know. He, he uh, hopefully, he'll, hopefully he'll listen yeah. to this. Uh, he, he does li- run for fun. But the race started, and I'm like, there's no way I'm losing this race. Um, <laughs> and, and I ran that race in like 24 minutes, um, which is not amazing for a 5K, but um, but it's pretty good. Say all that to say, just because of us showing up and doing this, like we we pushed ourselves immensely past what we thought we could do. I did anyways. So you take that and apply that to all the other stuff we do. Um, you know, we've had challenging conversations sometimes where we were not not arguing, but we were disagreeing. Um, but we learned how to do that. You know, at the end of the meeting, we we prayed and usually we'll shoot a text to the other guy and like, hey man, I appreciate you know. Appreciate you you being able to to disagree with me in a civil way. In my case, numerous times I had to go back to the sources. I went back to books and what have you, yeah. just because I went as, was inspired or challenged by something that Stephen or you or Joel or whomever yeah. said something, and I had to go uh, confirm my understanding of certain things. But uh, but yeah, that brings to mind. Um, and as a as a, as a side note, as a footnote uh, for this podcast, I mean, we're not going to strictly be doing theolo- theology right. uh, uh, at different levels, 101 or 300 or what have you. But as we're start establishing the baseline, I personally feel compelled to quote a couple of verses. So it, it brought to mind uh, from Jude where he says, uh, content for the faith. And again, 
the Greek word is fight. You fight. You literally are in the race. So this is not like a joke that we do every Sunday for a couple of hours and a little fellowship afterwards. No, we're, we're fighting and we have to be ready to defend. That was first Peter, right? We have to defend and ho the hope that we have. Mm -hmm. so you have to be able to, to, to speak. How on earth could you claim that uh, you're a follower of Christ, you're a quote-unquote Christian, when you cannot defend anything? I mean, uh, I was always ashamed. Uh, and uh, uh, But anyway, uh, so yeah, that sharpens uh, your, your intellect and, and, and it makes you uh, ready to, uh, to defend and, and fight for it. Uh, otherwise, it has no meaning. Mm -hmm. I mean, otherwise, what exactly are we doing here, people? Uh, what is this about? It's like a fellowship, feel good? But we'll go into that more on the next episode when we talk about the state of the church, hopefully. Uh, you know, I think that's something that uh, you know in you know in the in the body of Christ, you know, Jesus has hardwired this in. Of course, when the Holy Spirit baptizes us, um, he, he you know, Scripture says he recreates us. We are born again, and we are we are made new creatures. But you know, you think about the way a godly man shows another man that he's got room to grow. You know, nobody likes being told, well, you're not, you're not good enough. Um, but there's something about a godly man saying, hey, the bar needs to be raised that creates that hunger um, mm -hmm. in another godly man to meet that bar. And, and yes, the, the word competitive is, you know, is a, is a good word. But there's something even richer, I think, among godly men because it's it's not that we're trying to beat each other, um, but you know when you know when 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 you start talking about going home and and answering questions from from your son and spending time with your family, you know that 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 immediately makes me analyze and evaluate what am I doing with my girls? Yes. Um, so I I I, I think. Just that, you know, you you mentioned the phrase in this verse, "act like men." Um, that is that is a that is a very man thing to do, um, and and a godly man thing to do, um, to to continually be showing other men where the bar actually is. It's not where you think it is; it's up here. Whether that's physical, whether that's mental in the area of Bible literacy, whether that's in the area of being a better husband, being a better father, you know, being a, a, a better church leader, being a better culture influencer, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you're not, if you're not emulating all those things and you see a man that is, you, you can't look away when yep. you, when you see a man whose wife looks at him in a way you've never seen a, a you know a wife look at a husband with with admiration and um, and trust and um, and the same way the the man to the wife you know when he looks at her and values her for for how valuable she is when when you see a man that has all that together uh, you to me that is that is one of the most powerful things to someone that doesn't know the Bible or doesn't know Scripture like they see. Something, and so I, I want that. You know, that's that's what you're doing there, and it's the same with, you know, with an unsaved person um, to to someone that is saved that has the Holy Spirit in them. Like you see something different in them, but for me particularly as a man, like I didn't have a lot of those full package examples growing up, and I've seen a couple recently, um, and it's just like it, it shakes you. You're yeah. like, I, I want that. Yeah, and and that's something that is so uh, misunderstood. Uh, by those who don't understand uh, the words of Paul in First Corinthians or other spots where he talks about uh, what men, or Ephesians, I think he also speaks about that, men, women, the quote-unquote roles, and people who do not understand those words, they take it like male domination or, uh, mm -hmm. or and all this other stuff. But I, I've experienced that here. I've seen that. I, I've seen those couples that were, um, where there is that love, respect, quote-unquote, the godly obedience uh, and and the structure within the family um, that is remarkable, and 
uh, quite frankly, I've never had that. Uh, and, and that's just something that, um, it's a, it, it's a design now. I mean, uh, my wife and I are, are trying to get there now in, in obedience. Uh, so, uh, to the word, uh, but it's, um, it, it's an incredible thing. And to all those who are listening, who might not be, um, Christians or whatever. And it's not in this podcast, by the way, it's not designed for Christians per se. I mean, we want everybody to hear, um, but we're coming from that biblical worldview, uh, that it's out there, it's true, it's healthy, and, and it builds the strongest families you can ever imagine. Um, and um, I'm, a li- I'm a live example of this, that uh, I was exposed to something totally different, and I did not know that this exists. Um, that's a powerful message. Yeah, I think the world has a has a misunderstanding of what that means, you know, like, They'll hear wives submit to your husbands and, you know, just stop talking about it at that point. Like they take that as wives, do what your husband says, you know, but it's a, it's a selfless act on, on both parts. Like for me to be the husband that, um, that is deserving of my wife to, to, to give me trust yeah, you know, it's just a, a laundry list of things that I should be doing. And I'm doing very few of them well, um, but I'm striving for it. And luckily, God designed all this to where I don't have to meet every one of them before mm-hmm. my wife wants to um, to give me trust. Um, I, just, I just have to strive after it. Um, and right. And he, you know, he works the rest out. But, um, and it's the same for her, you know, like, she she has to do so much to to look past where I'm failing and and focus on the things I am doing right. Um, it it just leads to a it, it leads to something that the world doesn't understand, but it's very very good way to live life and um and and live a good enriched life without um just without having to worry one day you're going to go home and, and your wife's going to want a divorce, you know, out of the blue. Like we, we have a relationship now that, that I didn't know was possible. Um, when we got married. Yep. Amen. It's good stuff. Well, we, uh, we're getting close to an hour, so let's, uh, Let's try to tie a bow on this. Um, the last verse, last part of the verse here says, let all that you do be done in love. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I've got several, but. Yeah, let's hear your thoughts. Okay. I, uh, I think we can, if we lean too far into, I, I'm guilty of this. I'll say that. If you lean too far into the, the strong, masculine, um, forceful side of this, we might we might call courage and, and bravery and all that um, something that it's not. You know, I might be a little bullheaded and um, and and stand on these principles uh, to the point of condemning others and and just being a little hard-hearted. Um, it, it's it's difficult for me to to live these things out and then see another man that's not and not just say, Hey, I just told you how to fix this. It's right here. Just do it. You know, thankfully God is not that way. And he has allowed me to grow, um, and, and, and make improvements, um, on my own slow, stupid time. Um, so I think we have to do that to others. Um, other believers, other men, um, anybody that we interact with, we just have to show them love and grace and kindness. Um, and, and we can do all of these things without compromising, um, what we believe is right, but it's a hard thing. Like, you know, you, I'm not really on social media, but, um, I do watch YouTube videos and I get some of it every now and then you'll see people having conversations, um, about the Bible and, and it just looks so very hard to do that without it eventually devolving into some kind of screaming match or, um, or something like that. 
But what are y'all's thoughts? Well, I think there's a, a you know, a good uh, contrast that, that, that brings this out. You know, in all of these manly things, um, being watchful, standing firm, not being moved um, in my faith, being uh, strong, acting like a man, being brave. Um, I can either do those things for my own sake, for my own glory, to build more for myself, or I can do those things so that others flourish. And I think that's that's where the arrow hits straight, uh, you know, to, to my heart as a target. Um, Paul's writing to this church in Corinth who has got a guy that has been committing the most heinous sexual immorality um, with his stepmom. And Paul's instruction is, is you, you've got to discipline this guy. He can't continue to live outside of the boundaries that God has set for blessing and yet still enjoy the blessing of being with God's people. You've got to de- deal with this, but but the, ultimately in dealing with that situation, it, it was not to protect themselves, to protect the, their church, to, to guard uh, their prestige or their name or their reputation. It was for the flourishing of this man who had just gone astray. And ultimately, this situation in this church resolved because they did discipline him. He repented, and Paul instructed the church to forgive him. So for me, it, it's it's that contrast. Am I, whatever I'm doing, am I doing it so that I become greater, or am I doing mm-hmm. it so that others flourish? It's for the it's it's wanting the good of the other, and and when Paul three chapters prior to that he speaks about the supremacy of love, and again just because I'm Greek I can uh, always go back to the Greek words. There are like multiple words for that. It's amazing to have a Greek. It's a uh, diversity. Here, uh, right? I'm, I'm the diversity member. Look, it it's it it really is amazing um, <laughs> to 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 have you be able to say like here's the here's the nuance the the English is not capturing here because there are four different words. I mean, there are different words that can express as the erotic love from eros. There is the friendship word. There is the um, the mother's love for a child. You can have a, a separate word for that, but he uses the word agapi, right? Mm-hmm. He uses that word, which is willing the good of the other, which is exactly what you were saying. If you're not doing that, but you're doing it for selfish reasons, uh, then it's 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 nothing. It's it's vanity. It's it's empty. Uh, and um, and I didn't realize that uh, till till listen, like the last couple of years, and I, I was I started studying more, etc. And I said, oh my lord. I, I was just totally wrong. Mm. I don't love you. I love myself and I'm expecting things from you uh, mm. as a taker and me always having been mm-hmm. a taker. Um, and then all of a sudden you realize that the only way to love this person is by offering yourself, yeah. giving to her, uh, etc. So that was just like a dramatic realization that is like uh, life altering. So, um, Anyway, man, yeah, and, you know, you talk about, you know, the the that instruction for wives to submit to their husbands, and an instruction to the husbands to love your mm-hmm. wife like Christ loved the church. Well, you know, you, you take this verse in in First Corinthians that we're we're talking about: do everything you do with love. You, you know what God wants for our marriages is that we lay our lives down so that our wives flourish. So, what the instruction is to our wives is let your husband cause your flourishing. Like submit to your husband trying to make you have an amazing life. Accept the gift. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 it's just this wonderful picture. Of course, you know, I we we distort that because we don't do everything in love. Um, but I, I think it's a it's a great reminder, even right now as we're talking about this. What a reminder as a pastor. Um, man, it's, it's so easy for me to forget, like my job is to cause the flourishing of God's people. That Everything I do has to be in an effort to cause God's people to flourish. Um, and if we could just 
if we just hold on to that idea in, in every area of our life, when we, when we, when we arrive back home, uh, what am I going to do for the, to cause flourishing in my kids and my, in my wife? When, when we go to work, what am I going to do to cause my, my boss to flourish, mm-hmm. uh, my coworker to flourish? Um, and that, that's, that's being a man. I think that makes you reevaluate your definition of love. Like, you know, if you, if you apply that to, you know, hobbies you have, I love playing golf or I love, um, you know, going to shooting matches or, or whatever the thing may be. Um, in some fashion of the word, I may actually love those things. Not the same way I love my wife or love my son or friends or whatever. Um, but I'm willing to sacrifice time or I'm willing to sacrifice money, um, willing to go work to get money, to do those things, whatever it is, I'm willing to give something up to do that thing. Um, and it's the same with, you know, with a wife or a kid, I'm willing to sacrifice going to a shooting match, um, to, to have family time, um, whatever you get the point, but apply that to, you know, the person I was alluding to earlier that, um, that is lost, that is more than willing to have an argument with me and, and try to trap me in my own words or or whatever. Like, do I really care enough about that person to, to sacrifice whatever it is that, that gets me to that point with them and not be bitter about it? Like when I go and, um, well, I mean, you know, when I go talk to a guy at work, you know, about um, about the Bible or, or have a hard conversation with somebody, when I leave there, am I fulfilled? Am I happy with that? Um, or am I tired and ready to go home? And, um, you know, lately that's happened to me and, and I couldn't wait to, to get home to share it with my wife. So I'm thinking... You know, I, I must at least care about them. Um, so I don't know. It's a good check um, to to bring it back around to, you know, what does this verse mean? Evaluate what it is um, to, to love someone. Yeah, and, and, and that application trenches out differently in, in different situations. You mm-hmm. know, if you, see, if you see somebody walking toward a fire and it looks like they're going to walk right into right. the fire— you're willing to snatch them by the arm and violently pull them back because you want their good. Um, our culture uh, tells us, you know, now that 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 you know, even if we see someone destroying themselves, we should affirm them, and uh, and and our culture says that's an expression of love. I think that's an expression of hate. Mm-hmm. If I know that what. I see someone doing is destroying themselves and I affirm it that 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 is me not caring not loving. So sometimes even the the expression of love and causing someone's flourishing is intolerant is to be disciplinary in yeah. our actions. So you think about our kids it, it, the greatest expression of love is to train our children to right. think rightly and behave rightly and sometimes that means uh, disciplinary action, and sometimes you know that comes at different levels. Um, so you get my point. Um, you know, there's 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 the laying down of our desires for others so that they flourish, and then there is the 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 times where we rise up with strength and and boldness to save someone from destruction. Right. Um, both yeah, of those are the outworkings of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Misunderstanding of the word uh, tolerance. Uh, talking earlier about what we worship, what we uh, what we affirm, um, and uh, sometimes intolerance is uh, is a virtue when you're trying to save somebody, uh, your child. Uh, you'll be you're intolerant when you tell your son, "Do not touch yeah. the fire. You're going to get burned, <laughs> right?" Or don't go out um, in, in the rain or in the cold. Um, you're going to regret it. So that's intolerant on your part, but it's loving. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll talk more about that, I and think, that in the can, next podcast. Yeah. And, and, you know, that too can come at great cost. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, 
pushback from a a child at the you know at the small stages of it, or you know maybe loss of a friendship, or maybe loss of a job, or worse, you know, um, it, it's it's not uncommon to be canceled these days. Indeed. Maybe well, we should wrap it up. Good discussion. Um, we've got many many, many, many other things to talk about, and we could probably go for several hours, but... Um, We're going to we'll, space them out for the next time. Yeah, episodes. we'll save that for next time. As, um, as always, you, have, you, you guys have challenged me, encouraged me, filled me up. I love you guys. Um, you're, you're both amazing, and uh, this is going to be fun. And where do we find this now? It's going to be on uh, Spotify. Yeah, all of the podcast stations. Wherever uh, you listen to your podcast. Oh, and by the way, give us a five-star review. We yeah. do not want three or fours or twos. We're not lukewarm. Either <laughs> yeah. one, Look, you hate us. None or five. If, you guys suck. If or you're gonna, a five. If you're going to give us a four give or us a five. less, then just don't even review it and don't listen again. Like, we, like, want, it, we want fives. It's a five, right? Yeah, it's a five. Don't lie. Don't lie. No, uh, I, I mean, I yeah, that's, that's right. So... Um, uh, you're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna enjoy uh, growing um, and our ability to have these conversations in a in a way that that challenges and and intrigues. Um, but uh, but I'm looking forward to it. When is the next one going to air, Ben? What what do we have in the pipeline? Um, I don't know. We'll uh, right after the new year. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So those who enjoy this, you'll be hearing from us very soon. Yep, stay tuned. Um. We want to encourage everyone to go and find their own tribe if they're not part of one, um, whether that's just two men or five men or ten men, whatever. Um, as we've discussed, all of these things are easier together. So we want to encourage you to find your own tribe. And um, and just to, to reiterate, we, we may end up ending every episode like this. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, 14. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Amen. Thanks for listening. And uh, before you hit stop there, have you hit stop? All right, Ben. I, You know, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to do something that is so dangerous. But right now, first thing that comes to your mind, I want you to tell me a hard thing to do, and I will do it. Hmm. I'm going to go with 60 push-ups every day for a week. Oh, All right. Oh, I will brother. do it. And the next the next podcast, I get to call your shot. No, we're all going to do it. Oh, we're all doing it. We're all doing it. Oh, I like that even better. Yeah. I was putting myself, I was laying myself on the railroad tracks. Can I like two sets of 30? Oh, yeah. yeah as yeah, long as you yeah, do yeah. 60. 60 oh, yeah. a day I can do more than that. for the week. Absolutely. I'm going to do 100, but... Y'all can do 60. If well, you if you're going to do 100, I'm going to do 100 too. I'm not going to show up and say I did 60 and you say 100. All right. All right. So 100 push-ups a day and all of our listeners as well. Um, apparently, this is going to be a recurring thing. So if y'all want to do it with us, 100 push-ups a day for seven days. Damn Try bad. about.